It is great to be back here again. I really enjoyed getting to know a bunch of you last week and uh, it's good to see your faces again for a second time. Right, let's uh, open our Bibles to the passage uh, we're going to be looking at this morning. Uh, Revelation 21 verses 1 to 8. I just saw on the handout there that it says uh, verses 1 to 4. Uh, now I was under the impression it was 1 to 8 so we'll do 8 verses today. <laughs> Alrighty. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulphur, which is the second death. Let us pray. Loving Father, we thank you for your word to us and through it may you penetrate our hearts. May you make it real for us, bring it alive for us by your spirit, we pray. In the powerful name of Jesus, Amen. I wonder if uh, any of you guys have ever experienced the, uh, the positive-negative consequence scenario before. Uh, my dad used to do this all the time, he was, and actually, actually he was a pro at it. Uh, I remember uh, when it would come to dishes, uh, you know, and, and if we didn't want to do the dishes, he would say, well, you can either do the dishes, or you can do the dishes and have a smack to go with it. You know, and he would just, just add a little bit of, uh, you know, here's something bad that you don't want to experience. Uh, that's going to be a bit of an incentive uh, to do what you're supposed to do. Uh, but sometimes, you know, he would also... Uh, try and, and, and draw out uh, something positive uh, that you don't want to miss out on as well. And I remember this one time, uh, I said, Dad, I don't want to do the dishes. And he goes, well, those who shall not work shall not eat. And, uh, and so uh, I, was, I was determined. And so he goes, okay, well, you're going to miss out on tea time then. And, uh, and <laughs> so, so that means you'll just go straight to bed. And so I was like, okay, okay. So I was in bed, uh, you know, uh, and the, the dining room was right next door. And I heard the whole family, you know, just having fun, you know, eating and having a good time, fellowship together. And I was like, ah, this is stupid. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just missing out here. And, uh, and Dad would always get the better of me. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, that's what's happening here. You know, last week, you know, we saw the, uh, the great judgment before the throne. You know, this is, a, this is a, that negative incentive. You know, you don't want to be faithless and, and ignore what, what really matters in this life because there is a judgment to come. 
But also, you don't want to be faithless and ignore Christ and what really matters because of the, of the greatness, of the glory of what's to come. The fellowship, the, the unhindered communion that we will have with the Lord who made us. That's what we're seeing here at the end of Revelation. So why be faithful to the end? Because there is judgment. And because there is glory, glory that we do not want to miss out on. Last week we had a little look at, uh, at chapter 6 and the way that we're, we're seeing, uh, seeing a recapitulation of chapter 6 in chapter 20. And so we saw in, in, when, the, when the fourth seal was opened, death and Hades were introduced and they had authority to kill. And then the fifth seal uh, was opened and we saw uh, the souls of those who had been martyred because of their faith. And they were in heaven and they were crying out for justice. And then the sixth seal was opened and, and then the heavens and the earth were shaken. And, there was this, this, the, and, and everyone who was, was faithless was afraid because they were before the Lamb who was slain. And they said, who could stand before him? And they were crying out to the caves and to the rocks, shelter us. But then in chapter 7, straight afterwards, we see all the faithful being sealed. It outlines the saints being sealed by God for protection from the second death, which is also a guarantee of our inheritance, being sealed by the Spirit. And an elder said, who are these from every tribe who are dressed in white? And John said, Sir, you know. And the elder said, They are those who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And in chapter 7, verse 15 to 17 says this, Therefore they are before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And so we're seeing that again here in chapter 21. We're seeing God, the Lamb, and the people together where they are dwelling together. We see the tenderness of God wiping away every tear. The Lamb will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of living water. Doesn't that remind us of Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. The lamb is the, the perfect lamb who's lived that perfect life we could not live. He's a sacrifice in our place. And he's also at the same time the shepherd who leads us to the springs of the water of life. So we see at the end of chapter 6 the, the judgment and in chapter 7 the glory and in chapter 20 the judgment chapter 21, the glory. However, at the very beginning of our passage, verse 1, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Had passed away. And the sea was no more. And this, 
this, is, this kind of reminds us back when we hear about the earth and the sky fleeing away from the judgment passage. And then in verse 8 as well, we see, you know, as for the cowardly, the faithful, the faithless, and all of those, their end will be the second death. And so we kind of see here the, there's, 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 there's glory and judgment together still in this passage. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a hinge passage going from judgment into the, uh, the, the holy temple coming down from heaven, which we'll see next week. But I want to I begin from verse 5 to 7 of our passage today, where Jesus says, Behold, I am making all things new. Write these words down, for they are trustworthy and true. It is done, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He is the first letter and the last letter. He was there at the beginning, and he'll be there at the end. He was, he's our very source of life. He is the life by which we depend. He, is, he has given us life. He's given us the breath of life. And we're only here because he's our beginning. Actually, every single person is only here because he is our beginning. But he's also going to be our end. And he's going to be the end for everybody. But he's going to be the end for everybody in a different way. He is our Omega. I want you to picture... We'll just go next slide. Oh, we go that way. Oh, okay. Alright, that makes sense. Picture, picture our life on earth as if we're pilgrims and we're, we're, as, we're as strangers on this earth. We're travelling through you know, we're not here to stay. This place is temporary. It will be made new. We're as pilgrims like these ten virgins. The five who are ready and the five who aren't ready. They're not really focused. They're not focused on being prepared. They're not focused on being ready. Jesus says to the thirsty... I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. This is, this is all that's required for those to receive water, to be thirsty. But not thirsty for anything. You know, not, not just thirsty for, for eternal life. Everyone's thirsty for eternal life. Everyone wants to live forever. You know, everyone wants reward. But it, that's not what it's about. It's not just about being thirsty for anything. It's about being thirsty for Jesus. Being thirsty for Jesus. So I want to ask this morning, what are we thirsty for? As we pilgrim through life, what are those things that we are thirsting after? Are we thirsting after the things of this world? The things that provide temporary fulfilment and satisfaction? Or are we thirsting after Jesus? In First John chapter 2, verses 15 to 17, it says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the, far, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. 
Are we thirsting after the things of this world? Those who thirst after the things of this world, their experience of Christ, the Omega, will be at a lake of fire that burns forever. It will be a terrible experience. Or rather, are we thirsting for Christ now in this life? Staying ready, being prepared, longing for the one who is our very beginning, our source of life. Longing to see him, longing to meet him, longing to be with him. And as we long for that time, are we even now participating in that? Now I guess that's the glory of being here together on these Sundays. We do, we long for the return of our Saviour. We love to be in his presence. We love to be in the presence together. But you know, God is hes not concerned about what other people see. He's not concerned about the way other people see us. Because he knows what we're thirsting for in our heart. He knows where we go to quench our thirst. And he sees that. And as we thirst for Christ now in this life, as we make him our treasure, even now, then Christ the Omega will be our glory, the eternal fount of the water of life. That which was the intention from the very beginning in the garden when he walked with man and he walked with woman. And there is a relationship of trust and blessing. Our pilgrimage through this life will lead either to the spring of the water of life or the lake of fire, depending on what we thirst for. So let us not thirst for the temporary and empty attractions that this world has to offer. And in verse 2, And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And all through Revelation we're seeing a a juxtaposition, we'll get that word right, you know, between these two women. You know, this this, this prostitute riding the beast of chapter 17 versus the faithful bride who's dressed in white and her white robes are her deeds of righteousness. And so John is creating these images in our minds to make things plain, to say this is what it looks like to live a life of unfaithfulness. This is what it looks like to be chasing after the things of this world. And these images are all through scripture as well. And we remember the book of Hosea where uh, God is... is, uh, is wanting to demonstrate to his people that, that they're going astray. It's as if they're whoring after other gods, after false gods. And so Hosea, this faithful prophet, he has married a, married a prostitute and, and it, he, he remains faithful to her but she keeps going away in this, with these adulterous affairs. And, and he's saying, my people, be faithful. Be faithful as I am faithful to the very end. And then here in Revelation, in chapter 17, verse 1 to 3, 
It says, Come, I will show the judgment of the great prostitute who is seated on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed sexual morality, and with the wine of whose sexual morality the dwellers on earth have become drunk. And he carried me away in the spirit to a wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was full of blasphemous names, and it had seven heads and ten horns. She is the evil empire, leading people astray with her seductions. So we're a, we're a small, faithful community. The people of God in this world, pilgriming through this life. But there's all sorts of other people out there. The prostitute on the beast, wanting to lead us astray with all sorts of, of, of luring temptations so that we may not be faithful. But we're seeing the glory of the bride now coming down out of heaven. And in chapter 8, these are probably some of my favourite verses, eh? Because I think of, of the, the warning that they have for us. Chapter 8, verse 4 to 5. Sorry, chapter 18, verses 4 to 5. Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues, for her sins are heaped high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. And she will be judged unless we come out of her. We also will be judged. So now we're seeing the beautiful bride, the alternative to being the prostitute on the beast. And this is really a fulfilment of Isaiah 61 verse 10. It says, I'll greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God. For he has clothed me in the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress and as a bride adorns herself with beautiful jewels. And then again in Isaiah 62 verse 5. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. What a beautiful image of a loving husband for a bride. And we are that bride being loved by the bridegroom. Paul in 2 Corinthians 11 Verses 2 says, For I feel a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. God is jealous over us. He's jealous over us like a husband is jealous over his bride. He doesn't want to see her going after other things that aren't good for her people who won't respect her. But he wants her to know the true dignity that she has, that he will show her. So we've already seen when the rider of the white horse came with his bride in chapter 19, verse 7, that the bride had made herself ready. She had made herself ready. And in here in verse 2, uh, it says the bride was coming down, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. So what does it look like? What does it look like to be prepared 
to be making ourselves ready for that time when we will come together in the great cosmic wedding. Well, of course, first of all, there's faithfulness to her man. Guarding our eyes and guarding our hearts from the idols. Growing in faithfulness, growing in, in the loving relationship even now for our Lord. Having those times when we, we meet with Him. The times in the quiet space where we're growing in our relationship with Him. I find that for me it's, it's, it's something that sort of, it's, uh, I've I got to be continually um, on my game with. It's so easy for it to just fall off the side. Uh, we get busy, uh, have, have a baby, have a, have a shake-up in life, something new happens. Um, I, I feel like I have to always be vigilant. Otherwise, it it's just so easily falls off. And uh, I, have to, I have to always be, uh, be, be so intentional about, about my time with the Lord. And, uh, and we don't want that to be the first thing that goes. We want that to be the constant. Jesus to be the one we're thirsting after continuing to develop our relationship with him even now how else can we be prepared well a faithful bride will be tending to her kids I've always been been uh, really interested by Proverbs 31 you know the Proverbs 31 woman that that ideal woman, you know, that, that wife that every Christian guy is looking for, you know. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, you know, this, this lady who, who just she has this heart for God and she, she's, uh, you know, her, her heart's in the right place and she's, she's, she's tending and caring the kids and, and all that sort of stuff. And uh, she, she's industrious and she's creative and, you know, she's, she's full of initiative and about her kids it says in verse 27, she looks well to the ways of her household and she does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. And, uh, and I've actually been, been uh, considering if, if maybe Proverbs 31 is not necessarily about the perfect wife, but maybe it's about the bride. Maybe it's about the bride of Christ. Maybe, maybe God is using an image of a woman for, for which we can learn from about what it means to be the bride of Christ, to be prepared for his coming. What does it mean then to, to be tending our kids? Well, it, it means that, that, we're, that we're, we're caring about the new ones growing in the faith, that we're making disciples, that we're carrying out the Great Commission. And I think this is, this is one way that we can be prepared. You know, when, when Christ comes, will he find faithfulness on earth? And part of faithfulness is, is raising up kids in the Lord. Seeking people out. Sharing the gospel. But also, yeah, what, what does it mean to be prepared? Well, she's, she has an initiative, she's industrious, doing good works. And verse 20 in Proverbs 31 says, She opens her hand to the poor and she reaches out her hand 
to the needy. And of course, we see this in uh, Matthew 25 with the, the parable of the sheep and the goats. You know, where it says, those who have, who have visited the sick and those in prison and clothed the naked and fed the hungry. As surely as you have done to the least of these, you have done unto me. And those who have done those things will be welcomed into glory and to fellowship. And those who haven't, their end is in outer darkness, it says. And as Keith Green said, the difference is in what they did and they didn't do. Maybe those works, they're a demonstration of what we're really thirsting for in this life. So what does it mean to prepare ourselves for his coming? Well, loving the poor, remembering the poor, doing good works, a living out of our faith and our love for the Lord. And in verse 3, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. This is a performance of Ezekiel 33 verse 27. You know, it's that chapter with the, uh, with the, the valley of dry bones and they're, they're brought to life by the Spirit of God and then it carries on in verse 27 it says, My dwelling place shall be with them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And so this is a, 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 an ultimate fulfilment of that verse which then anticipates the temple fulfilment. We're not waiting for a, a literal temple to be built in Jerusalem and then the end will come. Now the, 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 the prophecy about the temple is about the bride which we'll, which we'll, we'll hear more about next week in the rest of chapter 21. But Ezekiel 43 verse 7 says this, and he said to me, Son of man, this is the place of my throne and the place of the soles of my feet where I will dwell in the midst of my people of Israel forever. Smack bang in the middle of the temple prophecy at the end of, of Ezekiel, which we'll then see fulfilled completely next week. But for now, I'll make my dwelling among men. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be as their God. This is one of my favourite passages of scripture. And the reason why is because it sums up our whole purpose. The whole reason for which we were made is in this passage. That we would dwell with God. That we would be his people and that we would have this unhindered communion for eternity. This is what he's made us for. This is the glory for which we were made. And we experience, we experience kind of glimpses of that even now. For we've been made in the image of a triune God, Father, Son and Spirit. And it says in, in, the, in the beginning of Genesis, you know, let us make man in our image. Male and female, he created them. And so we were, we were born with this relationality. You know, this, this, this innate desire to be relational with one another. You know, we don't want to be alone. We don't want to be locked in a closet. <laughs> no one wants that. That's torture. We want to be together. We want to be with people. 
And the reason why that's so innate in our souls is because God has made us to be relational, ultimately with Him. So as we, as we, as we long for relational connection, let that be a reminder to us that God has made us for Himself, that we would have connection to Him. That's just beautiful. So beautiful. It's what He's made us for. Tell the world. Tell the world that God has made us for Him. Tell the world that God loves you and He made you so that you would know His love in your life. Tell the world the glorious gospel that where sin and where, where the evil one has wanted to drag you down and lead you astray like the prostitute on the beast, Christ has come. The knight in shining armour has come and put his enemies under his feet that we may be restored to communion with him. That is the glory of the gospel. Can I hear an amen? Amen. amen. Tell the world. Hey, I had an opportunity this week. And, uh, you know, last week we were, we were talking as well about, you know, we don't want anyone to, uh, to have the lake of fire as, as their end. We don't want anyone to have that end. And so we want to we be sharing the good news with people so that they might be saved. And I had an opportunity this week. Also, actually, consequently, um, in home group, we were talking about, about sharing our faith as well and, and just kind of a, in, a, in a conversational way. And then on Friday, I had this crazy opportunity where I, uh, I had to go to the bank to do something and, and then, uh, and then the, the teller called me over and um, just making small talk as she was making the, doing the process, she said, so... What are you up to this weekend? And I said, oh, yeah, I'm actually preaching. And she goes, yeah? And she goes, okay, uh, well, um, well, so what's that about? <laughs> and, uh, and, and, what, and, and what made you want to do preaching? And I said, wow, well, God loves you. God loves us and he's made us for himself, you know, that we might walk with him and that we might know his love. And, uh, and that, that we might be in his presence. And I said, so it's just the greatest privilege to be able to help people engage with this God who's made us and loves us. She was like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I was almost a bit taken aback with my boldness. And, uh, and then, you know, she kept asking me a few more questions. Now, you know, I'm, I'm not able to say that, you know, I got her down on her knees and, you know, we, we uh, led her to the Lord on the spot. That would be awesome, but maybe maybe it's maybe it's it's it's, it's one uh, you know one one process in the in the chain, and um, and and it's, there's these opportunities all around us, you know. Every every little encounter is an opportunity, you know. Uh, it, it's good to be able to talk about what we're doing on the weekend, you know. We're gathering together with uh, with a bunch of friends who love the Lord. And it's such, a, such a, an honour and a glory to be able to give him praise because this is what he's made us for, you know, to dwell in his presence together. And, uh, and so, yeah, we, we, we hear those questions all the time. What's, what's up this weekend? What are you doing? Oh, what an opportunity. What an opportunity. Let's tell the world. Let's tell the world about the glorious end to come for those who are faithful. And that's beginning now. It reminds me again of Psalm 23. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will 
dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We look forward to that day. So in conclusion, let us thirst for Christ, our beginning, and who will be our end, but in different ways. Let us remain faithful to the one who loved us and gave himself for us. That we may experience the Omega, the glorious face-to-face presence of Christ our Saviour. So let us not grow weary of doing what is good. Let us not grow weary of seeking His glorious face. Endure to the end. Love the Lord and tell the world. Let's all stand. I want to pray a blessing. Father, we thank you for your word which really is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. You lead the way just like a shepherd who leads his lambs to still waters. And so I pray your blessing on each of us now. May you help us and empower us and equip us by your Holy Spirit that we may remain faithful to the very end. Father, so many distractions, There's so many things that tempt us along the way. But help us to come out of her, that prostitute who rides the beast, that we may be like a faithful bride, dressed in white, dressed in the the deeds of righteousness. May we be faithful to the very end, Lord, for your glory, that we may see you face to face, that we may dwell in your presence forever and ever. What a glorious end that will be. But it will only be the beginning. So even now, Lord, may we experience that beginning by your Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing our last song. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the price.